Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about Fanny Crosby. A Perth Amboy, New Jersey cabbie pulled his horse and buggy to the roadside after a clergyman signaled him. Railroad station, if you please, he called out. The hackman watched with mild interest as the minister helped an aged blind woman into the cab. She was rather strange-looking, in clothes of a different era, as well as heavy green glasses. Although she was almost totally bent over, she spoke in robust tones to the pastor when they got underway. The driver listened with not a small degree of interest to their spirited, theological discussion. The coachman seemed amazed that in 1910 there could be such a woman. Noticing this, the minister smiled and said, you may be wondering who this fine woman is. Well, uh, yes, sir, I was at that. This is Fanny Crosby, the hymn writer, explained the pastor. Unexpectedly, the hackman burst into tears. After a few minutes, he said, I'm sorry, I'll get you to the station straight away. In his mind, the driver knew there was someone who just had to meet Miss Crosby. When they arrived at the railroad depot, the driver's eyes searched the throng until he found a certain young policeman. Pulling up to his uniformed friend, he called out, This is Miss Fanny Crosby that wrote safe in the arms of Jesus. I want you to help this pastor get her safely to the train. The officer's mouth dropped. When he found his voice, he told Miss Crosby, we sang that hymn last week at my little girl's funeral. The elderly songwriter took his big hand in her frail ones. My boy, God bless your dear heart. You shall have my prayers, and tell your wife that your sweet little girl is safe in the arms of Jesus. The policeman could not contain his tears. He didn't even try. Frances Jane Crosby was born in southeast New York, Putnam County, in 1820, the only child of John and Mercy Crosby. At the age of six weeks, Fanny came down with an eye inflammation, and a physician prescribed hot poultices that left the infant incurably blind, only able to detect light and color. Less than a year later, her father died. Not even these early tragedies could blunt the girl's cheerful spirit, however. As she grew, she developed a love for riding horses and climbing trees. Fanny often led her friends into playful mischief. Never self-pitying, she had developed an acute ear and a phenomenal memory to compensate for her blindness. Fanny was educated largely by her mother and grandmother during her childhood, The latter took a special interest in teaching her about the world of nature, and the girl developed a special love for astronomy and horticulture. 
Fanny's grandmother also made sure the child knew the Bible thoroughly. Fanny could repeat from memory huge portions, including many Psalms, Proverbs, the books of Ruth and the Song of Solomon, as well as the first five books of the Old Testament. She once said, All that I am and all that I expect to be in literature or in life is due to the Bible. Fanny moved with her family to Ridgefield, Connecticut when she was nine years old. At 15, she entered the New York Institution for the Blind, where she hoped to fulfill an ardent desire to learn more about the arts and sciences. She often recited for visiting dignitaries and performed while traveling to Hudson River towns by canal boat to promote the school's mission. She twice addressed both houses of Congress. Miss Crosby began writing for newspapers and magazines around 1841 when a eulogy for President Harrison appeared in the New York Herald. She published articles and poetry with the Saturday Evening Post, the Clinton Signal, and the Fireman's Journal. One commentator noted, her verses were seriously flawed by the sentimental affectations of the day, but her prosody evinces more than amateur skill. From 1847 until 1858, Crosby taught English grammar and rhetoric as well as ancient history at her alma mater. She wrote four collections of poetry between 1844 and 1858, besides many popular songs. At 38, Fanny Crosby married Alexander Van Alstyne, who became a music teacher and church organist. They lived in Brooklyn, and her husband composed some music, for a few of her hymns, insisting she continue writing under the name Crosby. Little is known about him based on his wife's works, but they had a child who died as an infant. Van Alstyne passed away in 1902. In 1864, Fanny wrote the first of thousands of hymns after composer W.D. Bradbury suggested she tries some gospel songs. During her life, she wrote between 5,500 and 9,000 hymns, words that frequently came to her with stunning quickness. She said that on some days she wrote up to seven, while on others nothing came to her. Safe in the Arms of Jesus took her only 15 minutes. One biographer said no such phenomenon had occurred since the days of Isaac Watts and Charles Wesley. It is difficult to, ex to determine exactly how many hymns Fanny wrote because she used 200 pseudonyms to protect her modesty. She confessed to sometimes taking too much pride in her considerable achievements. In her life, she collaborated with over 20 composers, including evangelist Dwight L. Moody's renowned associate Ira D. Sankey. Fanny often referred to blindness in her hymns, 
For example, in All the Way My Savior Leads Me, she describes the importance of a guiding hand to one who is blind. In Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, there is a veiled reference to the biblical story of blind Bartimaeus' encounter with Jesus. Millions of people around the world sang Fanny's songs of a joyous and abiding faith, with many of her compositions translated into other languages. One story told of travelers who heard Arab Bedouins sing Crosby Saved by Grace, and at President Grant's funeral, the bands continually played Safe in the Arms of Jesus. According to Clifford E. Reinhardt, critics of hymnody generally agree that few of her hymns possess any literary value. Like her verses, they rely too heavily upon the cliché. Another reviewer was kinder. Like her poetry, her hymns suffered generally from cliché and sentimentality, but they also displayed an occasional gleam of more than ordinary talent. Regardless, she touched and continues to touch in countless hymn books of the Christian faith, millions of people with her simple compositions. The late 19th century social worker Anne Cobham wrote, Her hymns have brought solace and enheartenment to millions. They are songs that will never die. Evangelist and hymn writer George Coles Stebbins said, There was probably no writer in her day who appealed more to the valid experience of the Christian life or who expressed more sympathetically the deep longings of the human heart than Fanny Crosby. She was one of the three most prominent figures, Moody and Sankey were the others, in American evangelical religious life in the last quarter of the 19th century. Indeed, Sankey and Moody attributed much of their success at evangelistic meetings to her hymns and how God used them to touch people's hearts. Although Crosby wrote for all Christians, the Methodist Church especially cherished her as one of its own. For years, the Methodists observed an annual Fanny Crosby Day. Crosby spent a happy and healthy old age with a widowed relative in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She wrote two books about her life and often spoke at New York's Bowery Mission and at the YMCA's railroad branches. At 94, she suffered a fatal cerebral hemorrhage. Fanny Crosby is buried at Mount Grove Cemetery in Bridgeport. Thank you for joining me for Inspiration from American History. For more inspiration, check out my book, Great Events in American History with AMG Publishers. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.